0: Welcome back to the Tales of Cocoonard. Today we are not going to talk about our usual topics. But I am here to read you a story. A short story. And it's called Mind Games by Manisha Dhingra. The whimpers were getting louder and louder. It's okay. It's okay. He soothed her, patting her hair, which was wet with sweat. The cabbie braked and turned around to give him a searching look. Sab up hai. Aap hospital chalo. He instructed the man calmly. The authority in his voice prompting the vehicle to lurch drunkenly and merge back into the flow of traffic. Seven years of painful experience had taught him to use his eyes, sometimes his voice, to good effect. Shaming people into averting their curious gaze, cutting short their concerned questions, To them, his wife was nothing more than a freak show, a once beautiful woman who now moaned, screamed and cried at the slightest provocation, mostly for no reason at all. It hadn't always been like this. He remembered the first time he had seen her back in college. The first lecture of the year was well underway when she knocked and asked permission to enter he looked her up and down a benji in a silver kameez trying to become invisible in a class full of paisley tops and neon brass straps that first year they had not even spoken to each other at most, they had exchanged smiles if they happened to pass each other in the corridor. Within a few weeks, he had earned his reputation as the class Casanova. Putting to good use his years of expertise with neon bras and short denim skirts, she too stayed away, true to her original self only going so far as to experiment with loose, baggy jeans and long tops that went nearly all the way down to her knees. He could not quite remember the first time they spoke to each other. But it must have been during the crew project they worked on in the second year. They along with four other people had been assigned the task of studying any segment of contemporary society of their choice. They were given three weeks to complete their study and to present their research in the form of a written report, a class presentation and a five minute long documentary film. We Can't Study Prostitutes He recalled the vehemence with which she dismissed the idea put forth by one of the other girls in the group. Okay, how about gays, lesbians or sexual minorities? He had asked, enjoying the colour that rose into her cheeks, as she refused to entertain that idea as well. In the end, it had come down to a vote prostitutes versus slum-dwellers. The prostitutes had won, and they had spent the next weeks discussing everything from condom use to AIDS to the problem of children born out of wedlock who then go on to become gangsters or bar dancers or follow their mother's footsteps for the next generation of prostitutes, difficult, though the topic may have been for her. Yet he soon came to respect her opinion on the project, from the methodology of research to the way they should progress with the film shoot. Eventually, it was she who laid out the script for the film. Who sat in as he edited the film material down to a manageable seven minutes, and who even drank a celebratory sip of wine with the team when their film was selected as being amongst the best of the lot. But even as he grew to like her as a distant friend and a close colleague, The thought of being with her, of dating her, had never crossed his mind not until the last year of college when she took the initiative to ask him as he came down the stairs one day whether he would like to bunk the lecture and grab a cup of coffee instead. She told him later many months after they had been married, that she had always intended to have him. I spent so many nights considering and comparing you with all the other options, she said. But finally I figured that I'd give my virginity to you. He had responded. He had responded in kind, laughing loudly at her description of the options. And Mark thanking her for selecting him. But what made you choose me? He had asked later. This time, seriously. You looked okay, she teased. Plus, I knew most of the girls you had slept with in class. So, there was no risk of performance failure either. She had laughed out loud again, amused at her own wit. The first years of marriage had been dotted with such incidents, like bright spots of dappled sunshine on the upholstery of a dirty old cap. But marriage had not always been on her agenda, he knew that had been entirely his idea, something he asked her to do on the spur of the moment. Long after they had passed out of college, broken up and moved on in life. She, to a hectic professional career as a Hyderabad-based business consultant and he, as a Mumbai-based film editor, That day, that minute, when he bumped into her at the mall, would always be etched in his memory. He had known right away, even before pleasantries had been exchanged, that she was the answer, the one thing he had been waiting for, to fill his full, vibrant life. As he thought of the many years since that moment, he was somewhat surprised to discover that he could not remember how and when she said yes. He wondered if that was of any consequence, whether his life would have been different had he not been saddled with the responsibility of a wife who was also a lunatic. With this thought came the guilt. They loved each other. He reminded himself, clutching her tight, trying to shield her from the demons that chased her. Kaua. He mouthed to the cabby impatiently, catching his eye in the rearview mirror. But it was the evening rush hour and he could understand how everyone wanted to get home quickly, looking forward to the fun evening with a normal, loving spouse. I haven't been a real wife to you, have I? She said suddenly, sitting up against him, taking his hand into her own, They were back on a roller coaster. He realized this being one of the several times she emerged out of her fit of insanity, behaving as normally as possible, fooling everyone into believing that nothing was wrong with her. But this time, he would not turn the cab back. This time, He was determined to take her to the hospital. He wondered why he hasn't done this before. Why he had waited seven years to take her to a doctor, a psychiatrist to be precise. After all, he had known about her problem for almost as long as they had been married. It was he who had suggested she take a break from her job when the madness had become uncontrollable, when she started losing control at any time, in any place, as in that song Iris. He hadn't wanted the world to see her, to ridicule her, or even some well meaning friends to tell her the truth about herself. Of course. She had known it anyway, long ago. She had told him she knew there was something wrong with her. She wondered whether he had noticed at all. He had refused then, telling her she was perfectly fine. Even so, she was very grateful for his love. Every night, On days when she could understand these things, she would thank him for being with her, for holding on, and supporting them through all the tough times. I was hoping against hope. He acknowledged to himself, I didn't want this to be real. Whenever she snapped out of it, I always thought this was the last episode and now, when I can't deal with it anymore, I'm being a coward but ready to dump her in some mental asylum if only someone would give me permission to do it. Last night had been especially bad. In the middle of the night, she had shaken him awake. Put a finger on his lips and gestured to him to listen for five long minutes. He had sat there like a fool, expecting any minute to hear a thief, a murderer, moving about in the living room. He had only understood it when she turned to him, mouthing, See? And pointed again in the direction of the living room. See what? He had yelled. He had had it with these nightmares. The next day she was seeing a psychiatrist. And that was that, he had thought. Slumping face first into the pillow. So there they were, stuck in a cab in the middle of an ocean of honking cars. It took another hour before they made it to the hospital at last. He had called ahead but they were 45 minutes late for the appointment. Meanwhile, he filled out the form handed to him, medical background. It said on top, What are you doing? Why are we here? His wife asked. He did not answer, only indicated her to be quiet. Dr. Ayer has warned him not to tell her anything, not to let her panic before he had a chance to examine her. Such a long form it was. Her medical history, family background, attitude towards life, their relationship. He was patient with it all. The doctor will see you now, said the pleasant-faced assistant. They let themselves be led in and settled on the ed- edge of the couch. Doctor, my wife has been having these wild dreams, uh, nightmares, fits. He began putting his arm around her shoulders even as she looked away from him. Hurt, at his betrayal of the secret. Your what? The doctors at the asylum were very understanding. Full of pity. But they couldn't let him leave yet. They told him. Their voice is full of regret. They said later, that he had always dreamt of marrying his college sweetheart, a big shot consultant, now married and settled in Hyderabad with her husband and two kids. From her, they learnt about the minor anxiety problem, about the way their relationship had to end when he had grown too possessive and this was even before his hallucinations first started.